0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this program is being pre-recorded for Christogenia Internet Radio, Friday, July 11th, 2020. Praise Yahweh, the God of true Israel, and thank you for listening. The recent and now recurring coronavirus lockdowns began with progressive corporations such as Google, Apple, and Microsoft, and all of the liberal city, and state governments had immediately followed along. Soon after, the politicians in the more conservative states were also pressured to follow along, mostly by the media, as no politician wants to be the one who did nothing just in case the pandemic was real. Now, after yet another black criminal dies while in the hands of the local police, the Antifa Black Lives Matter riots and all of the capitulations to the communist agenda seemed to be following on the same exact path, as if it were all engineered by those same progressives to force all of us to yield to their agenda. Perhaps the lockdowns also helped agitate otherwise marginal but unemployed people to join the protests. So, as the Chaz is broken up weeks after it should have been, the enemies of Christendom have been made to look much bigger and more powerful than they actually are, and the resulting fear, when it is not outright collusion, has pushed many state and local governments to capitulate even more. As they make more and more concessions, the Antifa, Black Lives Matter rhetoric, and their accompanying demands get more and more outrageous. All of it is engineered to push us further down the road to communism. So, just what is a Southern man, or any white man, to do? Today, I am honored to have two men here whom I respect as both leaders and as fellow soldiers in the cause to win the hearts and minds of our people, and whom I am also privileged to have gotten to know and work with in that cause these past three years. Both of these gentlemen have been here before, and it is already past time to hear from them again, as miniature Bolshevik revolutions break out all across the continent, and as the capitulation of so many government officials in the face of our enemies only encourages those enemies to continue their advance. So once again, it is our pleasure to hear from Dr. Michael Hill and Mr. Ike Baker of the League of the South. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for being here.
1: Good afternoon, Bill. Thanks for having us. Good afternoon, Bill. Good to be here, sir.
0: Well, what do we do? What is a Southern man to do in, in this? What what are we looking at? How do we prepare for this? How do we... Um, that all of these questions pester all of us constantly, I am sure. How do we wake up our... Southern white brethren, our Christian brethren, to the dangers of what is going on? Uh,
1: Bill, I'll take it first here, and then I'll turn it over to Ike. Um, you mentioned uh, a communist revolution. Uh, I think you're right on the money. And last year, uh, I began uh, writing for our uh, publication, quarterly publication, Free Magnolia, a series of three articles uh, entitled The New Red Terror. And, uh, you know, obviously, as as a student of history, uh, I I was able to look back and see what happened in Tsarist Russia about 100 years ago. And alarmingly, uh, a lot of the same things I saw were happening again here, perpetrated by the same uh, cast of characters, mainly uh, the Jew and this time his uh, non-white allies. So I wrote that series of three articles on the New Red Terror, and and in the midst of it all, uh, we we have this uh, outbreak of this neo-Bolshevik revolution. Um, And I think the first thing that we do is uh, basically inform our people, fellow Southerners, as to what is really going on here. And once we do that, we encourage them to what I call tribe up, That is to join with fellow whites, fellow fellow Christians uh, as well, and um, get ready for the storm, because the storm is coming. I mean, these people uh, are, are, you know, they've been coming for the flags, they've been coming for the monuments, the statues. It's just a matter of time until they'll start coming for the flesh and blood. And we need to be ready for that, because they intend to overthrow white civilization. And uh, if we don't stop it, then uh, I, I think they uh, they may succeed. Uh, if we if we stand up to stop it, I think we will win. So I think I'll turn it over to you.
2: Well, sir, I, I absolutely concur with everything you said, and uh, I'd like to add my own my own thoughts to that. Uh, yes, this is in full swing at this point. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing right called wrong, wrong called right. Down is up, up is down. Uh, A case in point that's just come to my attention this morning, yet another uh, bit of injustice that will help red pill our people. I think we all might have saw that couple in California. I believe it was actually on Independence Day. They took some dark blue paint down to the street in front of the county courthouse, and they rolled out blue paint over that enormously long Black Lives Matter painted in bright traffic yellow. Well, the Negro female unconfirmed that she's a lesbian at this point, but I've seen her photograph and she's extremely mannish looking. The fact that she's a black female is not in dispute though. Um, she's charging them with a hate crime for painting over black lives matter graffiti. Um, We've seen the young couple in, uh, well, young compared to me, uh, in uh, Michigan trying to back out of the parking lot of a Mexican restaurant, being accosted by a shrieking black shibun female and her daughter, who's a shrieking black shibun in training, escalate, 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 scare the hell out of a pregnant white woman. Um, scared for her baby. We've seen many cases where these Negroes, they'll kick a pregnant woman in the stomach because they're feral animals. She drew a weapon to protect herself. They're also being charged with a hate crime. The crimes against whites are being unanswered and unspeakable crimes in many cases. I saw something else cross my news feed this morning. Uh, if we recall the first night of the riots in Minneapolis before this really caught fire across the country, there had been reports. Uh, of a a white female, uh, topless, in a car with three black males and in distress. It actually crossed the the police scanner. Uh, They later found in a burned-out car the body of a black female, nude, who had been brutalized. I I don't know that they could actually determine if sexual assault had been committed or not, but it's not a stretch of the imagination to think she was snatched by three niggers, gang-raped and killed because she's a white woman. Our people are being brutalized. My heart cries for every one of our people it just weeps for every one of our people who's made an example of to the rest of us the three of us and men like us men men and women like us we know that 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 line is is completely blurred in our cause um uh, this is waking up whites who otherwise would not have woken up and when a when a working class white couple is is completely canceled in the way that that couple was leaving the mexican restaurant or uh this white couple who went down to paint over the graffiti they're being made an example of and this will red pill our people now here's why i see that as ultimately important most not all but most of what we've seen happen has happened in urban areas the urban areas unfortunately for the time being are lost uh the, to take back the ground there to take back the governments there to take back the infrastructures there we just take resources that in short we don't have when they get out into the suburbs, and especially when they get out of the small towns and into rural America, they'll find a different game being played out there. Um, another case that I'm sure we all are aware of is Bethel, Ohio. Uh, the last weekend in June, I believe, I could have my date a little bit confused, uh, some local school teachers um, in Bethel decided that they should bring Black Lives Matter out to Bethel, Ohio, little 97% white Bethel, Ohio, about 50 miles east of Cincinnati. Um, And word got around And uh, word was put out on social media I've come to find out since By the husband of a young cousin of mine I'm very proud of him I'm not going to say his name publicly But I've communicated with him Let him know how proud of him I am And that he should join us Well, 3,000 white people Descended on that little town The type of white person who stands up And is not afraid to get their hands dirty Bikers, working class uh, People like us Uh, The league wasn't there to my knowledge, being Ohio, but uh, the the BLM protesters found a very different uh, reception in Bethel, Ohio, than they found 40 miles west of there in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. So the game is far, far from over, but I think it's fair to say that the game is seriously, seriously in play at this point. And brothers, I don't think this is going to settle down of its own accord. This is. We've come to a point where what I've called for years chaos theory has taken over. This is going to go where it's going to go at this point, and we're all going to learn about something else that many people are not familiar with, though I'm sure we are. They're going to learn about the law of unintended consequences. Where the end point is, I don't know. It's still just over the horizon. We may remain on a parallel course with that endpoint for a time. That course may start to converge, or we may turn directly towards each other, and by the end of this year, we may see the end game being played out fast and furious. That's, that's my take on the remarks that you made, Dr. Hill, in response to Bill's first question.
0: Well, Well, there certainly is a new wave of coronavirus lockdowns that they're going on mm-hmm. for in Florida for the last, maybe one week for the last week, perhaps they closed the bars again. And hundreds of, um, in, in, in the peak beach season, hundreds of bartenders and waitresses and waiters are going to be put out of work again that, that just had three or four months off work, right? These people can't afford this. They're going to be leaving. They're going to be leaving town. They're going to have to go somewhere where they could find employment. Right. Because the unemployment offices now, I I mean, I know people unemployed in several states right now that can't even imagine getting benefits. They can't imagine waiting in the long lines just to be rejected or to be delayed. So the economy at a certain level is going to get worse. And, And I really think that that must be on purpose because they are the people i'm i do not it it may not be true in every area but down here it's um liberal progressive um 20-somethings that work in practically all of the food service and and bartender positions and and these people are, are either leftists or the most susceptible to leftist indoctrination. And, and they're being dumped into the streets and right into the arms of this anti-fob Black Lives Matter movement. That, that I really think that the coronavirus lockdowns are providing foot soldiers for the Black Lives Matter movement. Most of the Black Lives Matter protesters everywhere, like 80, 90% of them, seem to be white, white liberals, white leftists.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that's true, Bill. And, and I, I've always thought from the very beginning that the, uh, the coronavirus thing was, step, was stage one uh, in this plan and that the uh, disorder and, and riots and looting in the streets was phase two. And phase three may be uh, another round of lockdowns to further radicalize the, the people that you were just discussing there. Although I, I do think that, that the economic dislocations that are going to be uh, evident very soon, I think, by this second round of lockdowns, particularly in the South, uh, may have as I uh, mentioned a minute ago, uh, unintended consequences. Uh, there are a lot of people on the other side, too, I, I think, people who, who might join us who are going to be adversely affected by the uh, economics of all of this. But I, I, what I'm waiting to see here is uh, the backlash among middle and working class whites against another lockdown. Uh, and I certainly hope there is a backlash because I've always thought from the start that this was conditioning. It was a psychological operation uh, to condition people uh, for a, a, I guess for lack of a better term, a new normal or new abnormal uh, and I think this is all part and parcel of the game that they're playing with us right now. And, and the, that game is, is what you mentioned earlier, Bill, that uh, communist revolution. You know, 100 years after the first one, we've got another one uh, underway. And I think Ike is right. This is well underway. And it's not going to be stopping anytime soon, I don't think. This is going to be played out to a conclusion. And the question is, will the United States be uh, suffer the fate of Tsarist Russia hundred years ago, uh, and this is real. And you know, a lot of us have been predicting this for for quite some time, at least in the league for about
0: a quarter century.
1: And sure enough, here we are.
0: Well, well, I've studied the Bolshevik Revolution in in great depth. I I don't want to boast, but because I have um a, a lot of Christian identity and, and um, let, let me use the media term that mocks us right wing extremist contacts, right? Because I have those contacts. <laughs> well, when I put up my, my, my Christigenia websites 11 years ago, I was the first person to ever publish online the full text to the Russia number one report. Which was all of the British diplomatic reports coming out of Russia during the Bolshevik Revolution. I was also the first person to post the full text online of of the 1919 United States State Department reports to the United States Senate Foreign Relations Committee on the Bolshevik Revolution. And I've studied these reports, and I've done a series of podcasts on them, that the Jews, the Bolsheviks, were, were like 95% Jews. Even people they deny are Jews turned out to be Jews, like Lenin himself. And they had brought in um, tens of thousands of mercenaries from China to get a foreign element that's hostile to the local Russian population involved in the revolution. They also, because the the Latvians had always seen the Russians as a hostile, um, oppressive force, because the Russians ruled over the Baltic, the imperial Russian czars, they were also able to militantize many of the latvians against the russians so they bring in these these alien populations and then once they are able to cut the food supplies off from the cities they are able to raise up a hostile element from the cities against the country at large this coronavirus lockdown and and these riots black lives matter riots in all of these cities are following the same exact pattern just over a much longer period of time right
2: i agree i do too you know uh there are a lot of parallels to the bolshevik resolu- revolution in 1917 there are also some wild cards in play here uh <clears throat> we're often we're often, we often read that we're the largest armed population at this point that's probably ever existed. Uh, among this population at this point are a tr- tremendous, tremendous number of young white men thoroughly embittered by being used in the Empire's endless wars that have gone on now for very close to 19 straight years. Uh, we happen to know a few of them personally, don't we, Dr. Hill? Uh, well, and- we certainly do you know and uh, these these young embittered white men who know that the that the that the cream of their youth was wasted f- basically fighting on behalf of Israel uh, i don't see them falling anywhere except amongst white nationalists and and white christian nationalists and i believe that puts a wild card nature to this that could take us in a completely different direction than the russian population had the ability to take their nation as the Bolshevik, the Judeo-Bolshevik revolution unfolded there. Plus, they had no history of that to look back at at this point, while we do. You're obviously extremely well-versed in the particulars of it, Bill. Uh, Many folks are are somewhat well-versed in the bare bones of it. And the idea that it'll sneak up on us again, it it seems incredible that it could, but... Then again, all I have to do is think back to a few years ago when several local denominational churches up here passed out yard signs that said, I stand with Israel. And here in the Appalachians, where at one time there were probably some of the most willful, headstrong, and violent people that had ever inhabited this continent, they now stand with Israel. And that is discouraging, and I I can't deny that it is. However, I speak informally with people around here quite a lot, and I will say that the lack of a positive reception to my comments about Jews in Israel has made me somewhat of a pariah. But I've also identified some others just like me who feel the same. So will our people awaken in time? Brothers, that's anybody's guess. God alone knows. But those of us who are awake uh, will go down on our feet not on our knees and the ultimate victory is not something that we live to see as long as it happens for our people as i mentioned the other night with that pastor we were speaking about a few moments ago you know we're we're the people who would embark on the building of a great cathedral for the glorification of god almighty and 200 years later the great great possibly even great grandsons of the men who laid the foundations for those cathedrals would be present at the dedication. We're the people who plant trees that we know will never live to sit in the shade. Uh, prevail? I believe we will. Will we be, Will we live to see it? God alone knows.
1: Yeah, Yahweh's going to have a remnant, and Yahweh's remnant is going to be victorious. The question is, as you said, will we live to see it? or will we, we die in this cause and it doesn't matter because uh, as long as we do our duty to our God and our, our people and our civilization we will be on the winning side uh, one one or another I'm really not worried about that but I would like to see the victory in my own day uh, and I would uh, I would hope that future generations of, of...
0: what well, well that that's absolutely true we are all know that God will not be mocked and that we are his creation. And he's and as you not and were
2: discussing a couple of weeks ago, sir. Um, it would be very, it would, it would be a great thing to be present in the rebuilding. If it plays out quickly enough that it t- takes place during what our lifespan might be, it would be a wonderful thing to be a part of raising something up from the ashes far, far better than what's being lost right now.
1: I pray for that every night, sir.
0: I really do. I'd love to see the beginnings of it. Amen. I'm sorry. We seem to have lost Dr. Hill on this side for about 15 seconds, and I thought he stopped talking, but you gentlemen don't seem to have lost each other, which is weird because I initiated the call. Perhaps I've lost you again. (laughs) I'm sorry about the technical issues. Hello, Bill. I um I had to actually switch off my cell phone connection happen. and back onto my satellite connection, so I might suffer a little lag with that, but I don't know why the cell phone connection suddenly degraded. I don't know. Yeah. But we were talking about um, winning over the hearts and minds of, of our people and, and how we could possibly do that. I, I mean, there is... The media has been portraying and, and the liberal politicians themselves, especially the mayor of Seattle, has been portraying these um, autonomous zone areas in these various cities as block parties but on the other hand there's information leaking out about all sorts of crimes that were committed within these that these autonomous zones rapes and and robberies and Possibly, even acts of murder, that they've been run by tribal warlords, and, and even that white people that, are, um, that have aligned themselves with Black Lives Matter causes are being abused within these zones.
1: Yeah, I think that's happening. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the thing that I really hope uh, jumps out. Uh, f- from these situations to whites is that it doesn't matter how much uh, you, you, you try to curry the favor of these Negroes and, and their Jew handlers that you're just a white person to them and, and, and they'll just eat you last as the old saying goes and a lot of these, uh, these white traders, uh, these anti-white whites as I like to call them I think they're going to learn a a very very hard lesson before this is all over. Uh, they're they're going to be looking around uh, <laughs> at their their supposed allies there and and say, well, you know, hey hey, you know, what's up? Uh, why why do you want to shoot me? And the answer will be simple because you're a white man. And they're going they look real foolish uh, when they're down on their knees and they got a a 45 at the back of their head. They get a get a hole put through it by for well, these niggers, uh, and that's going to happen to these people. And I can't say in a way that I'm sorry because they will be getting exactly what they deserve. Uh, but I would like to see some of these white folks uh, come to their senses and say, you know, I really need to, uh, side with my racial brothers, uh, on, on this issue. Uh, I'm not holding, my breath, uh, however, you know, here's, here's how I see
2: that, uh the whites that are going to come to us are the whites who really never were away from us. They just weren't outwardly with us. Um, They weren't red pilled, is the expression that we use. They are, they were, and some still are normies. You know, they were just hoping if they continued to go to work and pay their mortgage and put food on the table and try their best to raise their children properly, that all this might pass. And I think by and large, given the, given the high cognitive average of our people, I think a lot of these folks who just hoped that this would pass are going to see that it's not, and they're going to be wondering where do they go to find people who have the same concerns as them? Where do they, where do they find people who are living in a way – that they may wish to live. These folks may not be able to recite the 14 words the way we can, but fundamentally they know that they've got to do something to preserve their children's future. So they're not, they can't say the 14 words, but they'd like to live the 14 words. These are the people who will come to us. The ones who will not come to us, and I'm coming to believe will not come to us no matter what are just as an example There was a photographer who uh, made a great show of supporting the, the Black Lives Matter movement r- right here in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Because we've had a lot of uproar in Louisville. It's a, it's a, it's a real shithole northern city on the Ohio River, right across from 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 Indiana. The rest of Kentucky considers Louisville uh, part of Yankee Land. Um, I believe his name was, uh, I don't, uh, I don't remember his name, but it, it, it was a white name. It didn't sound like a like a like a Jew name. Uh, He was a, he was a photographer, supported BLM. Um, He went to that protest camp that the, that the BLM tried to set up in Louisville. It wasn't quite as, as, as delineated as the one out in Seattle, but nonetheless, it's no place I would have really cared to go with or without a firearm. And they killed him. Uh, Some black lives matter Negro killed him. So what I say to these people is you can be as pro hyena as you like, but that pack of hyenas are wild, feral, rabid dogs, and they will savage you, and they will maul you to death. That's what the Negroes are. They're, they're, they're hyper-violent little children. Uh, something I've said before, the only thing you can consistently count on for Negroes is their blatant, feral, explosive violence that can burst out anytime they're around. Uh, there's a reason I've steered clear of these people for the great majority of my life. So the way I see it, we have a natural base who will come to us or organizations like us, or will at least tribe up in small groups with the values that we have, whether or not they actually become, whether or not they actually wear the black cross someday or not, who knows, we'll see. But uh, um, I think it is important that any whites who have our values and want to pursue the type of future for our people that the three of us want to pursue, I think, though we are called the League of the South, and I know some of our members really believe you have to have the right zip code or you can't be one of us. I don't believe that. And it, that anybody who's spoken to me for more than five minutes knows I don't believe that. I think we've got to be willing to accept any whites from anywhere who have our values, believe the things that we believe, and are willing to stand up for our people. Yes, we're Southern nationalists, but we believe in a white South. So uh, uh, ipso facto, we are white nationalists. Anyone who has white nationalist values needs to be welcome among us because they are going to be looking for where they can go to, as we say, tribe up, sir. So uh, that's, 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 yeah. that's my perspective. Some whites we'll never get because they're just too far gone, but plenty of whites are going to be looking for a home, and I don't see why we wouldn't bring them in with us. But that's
1: always been our policy, all right? Uh, if, if you are a white nationalist, whether you are a native Southerner or not, if you believe in the survival and the prosperity of the white race, mm-hmm. then we welcome you uh, into the league. And I can tell y'all this, and y'all y'all are both league members, uh, we have had a huge number of people over the last month or two, particularly the last month, uh, just beating on the door, wanting information about the league. And uh, that's what I've been doing with most of my time when I haven't been uh, – traveling, trying to raise some money for us. Uh, I've been trying to talk to people on the phone and answer their emails and send out uh, packets of information to them through the office here. And uh, it it has been a a veritable uh, uh, just landslide of of whites, uh, you know, trying to get through the door here into an organization that they apparently uh, have some trust in. So it's been
2: really a, a good time for our recruiting.
0: Well, well, that is wonderful Uh, to
2: hear. As as I'm sure both of you are aware, I speak with white nationalists. I'm sorry, Bill, go ahead. I didn't mean to talk over you.
0: I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. I I have a little lag because we had a technical problem. I just switched to my satellite connection. um, It's wonderful to hear. It, it's wonderful to hear that we have so many new people interested in the League of the South. And, and in Florida, here in the Panhandle, we've picked up two new members within the past several weeks. And and that's always encouraging. We also lost a member because, as yes. Ike Baker was explaining, um, these people that stand with Israel. Religious programming is very difficult to overcome. And last month, we had a member who signed up for the League of the South. And when I tried to call him to reach out for them for him because he's in my area i um I got a a message a recording saying that he was in church, and he also explained to me later that he had a church meeting, which means that he's an elder in his church or or has some kind of official capacity so he wanted to speak to me, and we met in a bookstore in town. And the first questions out of his mouth were related to the riots going on, which were at that time only in Minneapolis and a couple of other cities in the north. And the second question was, how does the League reconcile Christianity with anti-Semitism? And when I answered him, knowing that he was a Judeo-Christian and probably familiar with the Bible, I stuck with some very simple Um, biblical new testament precepts john chapter 8 john chapter 10 the second epistle of john and, and to show that christians really aren't to have relationships with jews or to accept jews who deny christ so that being said he made excuses and had to go and he withdrew his membership and requested a refund the next day um that that's that religious programming that i stand with israel religious programming that's really new to christianity it's only been introduced these last 60 or 80 years it was not a traditional christian teaching to to worship jews because jesus was a jew is a perversion of christianity it's difficult to overcome i was um when when I first got to Bristol, Tennessee in 2012, when I met my current wife and we were together in, in the outskirts of Bristol on, on the Virginia side, actually, and took a ride one day and she took me all the way down Gate City Highway and because I wanted to see it and through Lee County. Virginia, which is the southwesternmost, I believe, county in Virginia. It's right on the Kentucky border, between Kentucky and Tennessee, and and um. And and West Virginia, and and basically. I saw these houses in this rural white Protestant area, as rural as you could get, and they had Israeli flags hanging from them, and one house had an Israeli flag hanging right below wow. the Confederate stars and bars hanging on these houses. I wrote an article. I had the pictures posted at my website. I couldn't believe it, that it had gotten that bad to that point. And, and that's basically the same as an I stand with Israel sign on the lawn. That There's a Sorry. huge and, and fairly new Protestant church, Baptist church in Kingsport, Tennessee, with an Israeli flag flying right next to a Christian flag. It's impossible. It's so difficult to overcome that Yeah, you see that 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 all the time. It's terrible. So most of our churches are in the hands of our enemies. Yes, it is.
2: Yes, denominational Christianity has done a tremendous amount of damage to our people. Denominational Christianity, almost without exception, is feminized and tries to promote feminizing of our men. Worshiping the Jew is a false idol, or however they do it. The subtleties don't interest me particularly. The John Haggies of... Modern evangelicalism are heretics of the highest order, and I look forward someday to reckoning with them uh, in in whatever appropriate way we choose to do at that time. Uh, I have to admit, in my mountain clan up here, there are a few preachers, and for the most part, they are judeo cuxtian churchmen. And uh, I sat in one's living room six months ago and just roundly disagreed with him on everything— and then we got to the rapture, and I said, so I'll, – I'll even, I'll even decline to say his first name. I said, so, Blank, what about the rapture? Do you, preach, do you preach the rapture to your flock? Oh, of course I do. I've always preached the rapture. I said, you know, the rapture uh, has only – that whole theory has only been around for around 100 years, and I think it's complete false teaching. I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with the Schofield Reference Bible. And uh, he said, well, we are told as we approach end times there'll be knowledge revealed that wasn't previously – available and i just thought you know there's no more there's no more i can do here and i, I politely <laughs> said my goodbyes within 10 or 15 minutes he's he's a second cousin of mine he's been a good friend to me but we have nothing in common and and this is what denominational denominational christianity has done to our people uh right down the line um there was a time when the roman catholic church was the sole flame of christianity burning in the world and I salute them for 1,500 years. They kept the flame alive because none of the denominations that exist today, including ours, um, was taught. Roman Catholicism was it. Now, I, I don't wish I was a Catholic, and I'm not trying to promote that we should become Catholics. I, I know some, some great southern nationalists believe very strongly in Catholicism. But Catholicism of today is no different than Episcopalianism, Presbyterianism, Lutheranism, uh, the Methodists. Uh, uh, the Southern Baptists, the Southern Baptists are shameful. The Southern Baptists are probably responsible, Bill, for that Confederate flag and that Israeli flag flying next to each other. And that's even worse cognitive dissonance than a, than a federal rag next to our revered battle flag. That's, that's the ultimate form of confusion in a man to me. So.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Ike, about denominational Christianity. Uh, uh, about the same time that, that I formed the League, back in 90, 1994, uh, I became a Presbyterian, uh, a Reformed Christian, as, as it was called. And, you know, we, we, had, a, we had some really, really uh, strong lights in the past, men like uh, Reverend Robert Louis Dabney and uh, James Henley Thornwell, men who understood uh, Scripture and men who understood the race question and, in some de- uh, to some degree, the Jew question. But the, uh, the Presbyterian Church, the Southern Presbyterian Church, which is supposedly the so-called conservative branch of Presbyterianism, uh, have basically thrown Daphne, Thornwell, and all their other old divines there to the wolves and have embraced, uh, you know, the, the, the modern Judeo-Bolshevik, uh, revolution, uh, and every tenet of the Schofield Bible pretty much. Uh, and that's why, that's why about five years ago, five and a half years ago, I walked away from that church and mm-hmm. uh, then embarked on my own CI journey with the help of, uh, of men like my friend Bill Fink. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to Yahweh uh, you know, for, the, for the insight to do that and for the, for the men uh, that he put in my life to help me with that journey. So I wish that would happen to more, to more Christians.
2: I happen to owe that man a lot too, Doctor Hill. Uh, you know, I thought I had found a, a, a denominational Christian church where I could where I could worship in the manner that that I believe is right. It was a Reformed Baptist church in Richmond, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the pastor is right. actually fairly well known. And I thought he was woke. I truly did. I heard him pre- preach the dual seat bloodline from the pulpit, on, on my first visit there, I was I was shocked. Wow. shocked shocked he actually created a schism in the church and it lost about a third of the members over the jew question all right but then as i started paying attention and i noticed where he takes his mission trips to that man loves his dark people um mission trips to haiti mission trips to jamaica mission trips to the philippines and i finally said to him one day as he was out there in his uh in his J.C. Penney suit, and and I say that just as a mark of a common man, I'm not I'm not putting that down. I thought this was a I thought he was I thought he was one of us, you know, not wearing a not wearing a $1,500 suit to greet his his congregation out there wearing a suit off the rack like I might buy to go to a funeral, and mm-hmm. I really noticed that the uh, that the that the race question was a was a problem with him, and I talked to him in a couple of church-covered dishes, and I started realizing this guy's not really as woke as I thought. And then, uh, uh, Lexington Antifa really lit me up hard. They blasted my name, my picture, uh, really, really, really disrupted my life here where I live. And, uh, uh, I was let know that I probably need to find a different church because an anti semite, Nazi, Jew hater, racist really didn't have a place there. And how can I deny any of those things? You know, why would I? You know, you know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> he he let me know that if I came and submitted myself for examination to a church church board. That you know, possibly would. I said, let me stop you right there. I'm not coming and humble myself before before a man. Uh, I'm not coming and submit myself to a vote of your congregation or your approval. I don't seek your approbation. I I I I crave I crave approbation from very few men in this world, and that man was not one. I said, I'll bend my knee to no man. I bend my knee to God alone. You'll never see me back there. I've since run into him at a grocery store because it's really not a big town. And he came up and wanted to shake my hand. I said, take your hand back. We're not friends. Let's not be hypocrites here. You put me out of your church over the Jew thing. So let's just go our separate ways. And I called him by his first name. He's no pastor to me. I called him by his first name. So denominational Christianity is a problem. Uh, And a lot of times they're real real imposters because I truly thought this man, I thought I might have found a church home. Because I think we all kind of crave that. We all grew up with something like that but it wasn't there it sure. wasn't in that denominational church and i have to admit to my to my to my everlasting shame and embarrassment i i flirted with a p- pagan religion an, an ancestral white religion i'm i'm not i never became a satanist or a, or a, or any other for a period of time of about 3 or 4 months i thought i had found a home with our ancestral gods and i came to realize pretty quickly no i didn't really actually find a home and then in an experience that I've spoken about a number of times. And bill, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable at all. I sat down for about three hours, one afternoon at a restaurant in Richmond, Kentucky. And, uh, I walked out of there, um, knowing where I belonged and I came home and every hammer that I had, every, 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 every symbol of those beliefs, I threw them in a pond, got rid of them, uh, and put a cross back around my neck where it'll never leave again. Now there are symbols that I believe represent our people. I'll still wear the black sun. Um, I'll still wear the Celtic cross, the old, old, old style one where the vertical and horizontal arms are the same length with a circle around them. But I won't wear the trappings of any ancestral gods again. So my path back to Christianity after a short foray elsewhere was as sincere as a man can be. And I've got my feet where they belong, and I look forward someday to fighting in an army that the lord himself commands if it be god's will that i live to see that day but denominational uh, so christianity brothers did not bring me there denominational christian well, i remember we go ahead sir
1: yeah I was, yeah i was going to say i remember when you were going through these trials and tribulations and uh like like me when i was going through mine I, although though i didn't didn't go down that particular path i was Having problems because I left my church about five years ago, and I was kind of looking. Uh, and you know, we both found we both found Bill Fee uh, mm-hmm. as as uh, someone God sent to 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 guide us and give us uh, you know some some light on on where we should be standing. So I think we both owe Bill uh, quite a bit uh, uh, I, as far as that goes.
2: I know that to be true as much as anything in my life I know to be true, and I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I owe you a debt of gratitude until the final beat of my heart for that, sir.
1: Yeah, me, me too, Bill. Same same thing.
0: Well, that that's that's very humbling, and and I don't know, I don't know what to say, so I'll just let it go there. But. I, I certainly appreciate it. It's I'm just humbled we'll praise by that. Yahweh. It, it's yes, praise <laughs> Yahweh. It, it's I'm convinced you, you, that and, and people think I'm crazy for this when when they haven't when when they refuse to take the the time to sit down and see the evidence. They just think I'm nuts. I'm convinced that what we teach in Christian identity is the original apostolic Christianity that was persecuted out of existence in the first century. And and the the Roman Catholic Church, for all the good it did, and it did, sir, do very much good for 12 to 1500 years. It really did. And and Catholic Christians helped save Europe from from the Moors and, and from the Turks. So so I I can't really despise all of that history but these um modern churches that are completely deracinated and and actually that they're not deracinated that they're tilted in favor of non-white races and purposely so yes. they have been the vehicle through which communism has been so successful in this country. If the churches had taught true Christianity, then the churchgoers would recognize what's happening in these educational institutions. It, the difference would be a lot more stark, and they would be able to recognize all of these Marxist agendas that have been forced down our throats from the educational institutions, and, and also from the modern churches. It, if the churches were right, they wouldn't be in agreement with, with the media and the government and, and these the, the, these universities. They wouldn't, these secular universities. They shouldn't be in agreement with them. That's the world that the apostles and Christ himself had despised. So they can't even recognize yeah, that Yeah, that's
1: anymore. right. I mean, they... I'm sure, they don't even recognize that they have sold out completely to, as the Bible says, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that that is the source of our problems today. We don't have a we don't have churches that will stand against uh, these worldly trends and uh, for the you know the, the people of God. So, you know, we just have, we we basically have to start over as far as that goes. And uh, thank God for CI uh, and. There are more and more people, not just in the league, but out there in society in general who are embracing the truth about this, and as we said earlier, praise Yahweh for that. Yes,
0: sir.
2: These churches, they preach the gospel of the 501c3. They value that more than they value preaching the truth from the pulpit. That was one of the things of several that made me think I had found the place where I belong. That church renounced its 501c3 status long ago. There was no federal banner. Uh, up in the, behind the pulpit, uh, in the nave, I guess we would call that in a cathedral. Uh, so, so obviously that turned out not to be where I belong, but these are people who, the two-thirds of that congregation that stayed, I, I have to tell you, I consider them ripe to go ahead and move, especially as they have the influence of seeing what's going on out there right now, the anti-white violence, the anti-white judiciary everything is turning against us. And these are people who are They're, they're those quasi normies. I was speaking about just a short few mm-hmm. minutes ago. I think that they are very fertile ground for us to draw from. And something I was going to mention just a few minutes ago, as I believe both of, you know, I speak with white nationalists and I have relations, cordial relations with white nationalists of a number of different organizations around this country, uh, skinheads and the like. And, uh, we, the League, is absolutely acknowledged as the the organization in white nationalism. There are other organizations. There's no one there's no organization out there with the prestige that we have for a couple simple facts. One overrides everything else. We all three were part of that group of men and women who walked up Market Street almost three years ago and there were some great organizations that took place in that in that group of men and women with us. There's only one of those organizations left. There's two of the organizations left that existed that day, and only one of those two has the same leadership who took us up Market Street, brothers. That's all, and that's it. Some of those organizations don't even exist anymore, and the one that does, I'm not going to say their name, um, they they had a leader who turned out to be a traitor to our people, and he turned his organization over to a handpicked successor. I, I'm going to say no more about that. Folks can draw their own conclusion. When a man who turns out to be a traitor handpicks his own successor, um, if, in any event, that's, uh, that's as far as I'll go with that. Draw your own conclusions there. There was, uh, there was one organization, though, that exists intact with the same leadership, and that gives us a certain, a certain je ne sais quoi, that is going to bring people to us. Um, we don't hide behind masks like some organizations of young men do. And I understand why they do it, but we don't do that. Um, I'm, you all might recall. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, you were both there in Newport, Tennessee, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, we had a, we had some, uh, some like-minded young fellows join us, and when we assembled to go walk around the town square, they put their they put their masks on, and I went over and said, "No, no, you're welcome to be with us, but the league doesn't wear masks, and uh, your masks aren't going to have a place here today. If you're willing to take them off, we're glad to have you. If not, thanks for coming. See you later." They took their masks off for the That's sake of right. being with us. You know, we don't wear masks. We That's don't mask right. up. We we have not a, we have not a thing in the world to hide, and some of us have paid a price for that. I tell all of us Yes, have we price have. For that, you know
1: we have and uh we probably are not finished paying the price but that's one of the reasons that the league is in the crosshairs of uh the jew law firms and and others is because we are still around we still have the leadership that we had then. we have no intentions of going anywhere and we are recruiting uh right now better than we have probably ever so uh yeah, I, I think there's some good, good reasons to be optimistic about the future. We've got our battles to fight, but, hey, we've proven that we'll stand up and, and, uh, and fight, where, whereas others uh, will back down and leave. And God willing, uh, Yahweh willing, we, we will be there uh, for the duration to the, to the end of this thing, win or lose, and I'm fully expecting
2: to win. Hundred, amen to that. You know, sir, uh, as mortal men, we can make mistakes like anyone, and we—I'm sure we will. We have, and we will. But what we're doing right now, I think, is the is the is the absolute right thing to be doing. We're drawing people to us. We're uh, making ourselves available to our people, because as I've advised in in every bit of media that I've done over the past month, and I'd like to do it right here, if you don't mind, uh, I'm just going to. Try to say the same thing I've said before Um, This is to all white men out there Who hear this, white men and white women Who are uh, pure of heart Strong of spirit And who are terribly distressed at what's going on right now This government, this ZOG This occupied government of this country Would like to do nothing more than to draw a band of white men out Who are out there to set things right We see the rioters not being answered We see a band of armed niggers March through Stone Mountain, Georgia The town of Stone Mountain, Georgia By the way, 78% black Try that in Jackson County, Negroes uh, and we see no answer to these miscreants from the federal government. If we go out there willy-nilly as white men armed to set this right, we, we'll see, we will see a whole entire different response from the federal government. Statues can and will be replaced. Brave men cannot be. Brothers, stay your hand. Our time will come. Shaki Arla. The,
0: the CHAZ is That's actually— it, That is good, good advice. I'm sorry. The, the CHAZ is actually an open act of sedition. And if we had done anything like that, what we would all be sitting in federal prison. Yes. Or dead. If we weren't dead. dead. Right. Or dead.
2: Um I've got, a, I've got a couple of Naval Special Warfare lads in my family, SEALs, and I've had some very meaningful conversations with these lads, these, uh, these Tier 1 operators, and they are operators, make no mistake. Uh, they spend millions of dollars training these lads to do what they do. And uh, I was told by one that the moment that the Insurrection Act is invoked and we're called insurrectionists, the orders will come down, and I have no doubt that if we had, let's just go back in hindsight, if we had tried to make a, an autonomous zone in Charlottesville, um let's say we had been armed to do so. We left all our long arms behind. But let's say we have been armed and we set up an autonomous zone there. Uh, I have no doubt that, that uh the insurrection act would have been in book that day. And I don't mean to parse words with you, Bill. We wouldn't have been in federal prison. We'd have been dead.
0: Right. And and I agree. I I agree. But but if you're a um anti fire radical in Seattle, you could not only set up an -hmm. autonomous zone, but the city will help you (laughs) and and you could run all the residents out and you could walk around open carrying and oppressing the people who come to join you and, and reassign their property to others or, or rob and rape them. And, and that's, what's been going on there. And, and you'll get away with it for weeks. It's incredible.
2: Weeks. How many killings actually took place in that zone? Was there two, three, four? How many killings actually took place in there? I know there was at least two or three.
0: It, it's that there were at I least two or, two or three. three yeah. I, I'm sorry. That there were at least two or three, and and at least half a dozen rapes, from what I've seen. I, I was going through the news reports in the morning mm-hmm. to see um which ones panned out that that were corroborated, right, by more than one um, agency, mm-hmm. and and the media is terribly underreporting these things. I, I, when you see them in the New York Post, and that's the only mainstream people you see them in, and, and, and everybody else is quiet, but you might see it on one or two um, right-wing alternative news sites. So it's, it, it's hard to verify things when the media is virtually and purposely silent. And, and that's what they are.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, let's extrapolate here just a little bit from these autonomous zones in places like Seattle, and there were attempts, uh, unsuccessful, to set them up other places, but uh, I could foresee something like this happening uh, around the time of our trial in Charlottesville, uh, which, if... If memory serves me well, once Trump was elected, and obviously Trump is no friend of ours, he's not a white nationalist. But um, I think Charlottesville uh, was the first American city to declare itself a center of the resistance, as it were, against Trump. And I I could see maybe something like this being done in Charlottesville uh, in late October. Uh, early November at the time of our trial, which is going to be drawing all kinds of coverage because in the midst of that trial is going to become, is going to be held a very contentious presidential election. So I could see something like this being done in Charlottesville. And if the city fathers as it were there or like they are in Seattle, Uh, This thing will be allowed to to take place, and who knows what kind of environment that that we're going to be walking into in Charlottesville at that time. Uh, It's going to be a a circus of the first order, I'm afraid, but it's going to be very interesting, and I think out of it are going to come some great opportunities uh, for us Uh, if, if we can actually survive it. Uh, and obviously we will not be able to count on the local local or state law enforcement for much help. So I think we're going to have to have our own private security and that in, in and of itself may be problematic because who knows what the local law enforcement will do when our people start showing up armed uh, to escort uh, us in and out of, of the courthouse, uh, something that simple, uh, you know, may have to be done. So, All of this is is, is, uh, maybe precedent for what may take place there later this year if they try to occupy the streets and set up their own autonomous zone in Charlottesville.
0: Well, well, sir, I'm sure God will be with you, but I'm sure they will be too. And and that's the unfortunate reality of it. I I don't have the... um... The local Antifa types, Black Lives Matter types in Charlottesville, passing up an opportunity to, to um, heckle and, 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 at the least, to heckle and, and give you a hard time in and out of that courthouse.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I, I can see I can see that happening, and I would be very surprised if it didn't happen. But I, you know, it's, it's something we'll deal with. We've dealt with other things before. We'll deal with this.
0: Yes, sir. We have to face our challenges, and, and, and our God judges us by precisely Absolutely. how we do that. I, I sincerely believe that.
1: Amen, sir. We do our duty, uh, and we trust in him as the Lord of hosts uh, to, to be there with us, and uh, you know, we go into battle uh, under his banner.
0: That is the fiery trials of our faith that the Apostle Peter spoke of in, in the opening chapter of his first epistle absolutely our faith will be tried that's right we just um i I just pray that more of our um fellow league members wake up to the fact that they're going to have to come out of these denominational churches if if they if if they wish to survive How, how could you support both sides of the battle? The denominational churches are clearly on the wrong side of this battle. And and, and I pray that other people join the league or, or wake up to that and join the league. I, I think that um it's gonna be very hard to ever um have a, a a solid base that's with that's of members that's still within these denominational churches. They're poisoned.
1: Yeah, be, these people will be pulled in two different directions, and you can't do that. You can't serve two masters. So, the best thing they could do is get out of a denominational church and get into the league.
2: Exactly. The denominational churches it may be the single worst thing that's happened to our people because it's not regional, it's not. Uh, it, it 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 affects all of our people. When I say not regional, I'm thinking of the way opioids have affected Appalachia and what used to be just an incredibly strong, tough, very very uh, resistant to central authority population. That that's regional though. Denominational Christianity has has taken the it 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 seems to have almost taken the fight out of white people, everywhere. Uh, turn the other cheek. If you don't love Israel, God won't love you. The the the, the weakness and the, and the and the and the feminizing aspect of this thing is it just sickens the heart. And how how do we get our people out of these 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 dens of heresy? I don't have the answer. Here where I live, these people, I, I mean churches probably the central thing in their life, aside from work. How do we get them out of these churches? How do we pry them away from this and show them the truth? I would be more than glad to spend the rest of my life trying to do that if I could only come up with a way that would seem effective. And I'm open to ideas.
0: Members of our chapter, what we... What well, we, uh, i
2: direct you.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir.
1: No, I was, I was going to simply say that I start by directing them to Christianity. Uh, and, and so, you know, here's, is, here's is the perspective on Christianity that you're probably not aware of, mm-hmm. go to it. And I've had so much good feedback from doing that. I, I'm not, I'm like you, I, I'm not capable uh, of doing this on my own because I, I'm really, uh, still learning and I'm a an novice uh, in, uh, Christian identity, but I, I, I do know where to direct them and people come back and they, they just say, wow, I've never heard anything like this. So a lot of times it's just a one-on-one thing, and we have a good resource with Christoginia here to use. And I, I, that's, what I, that's, that's what I go to.
2: I've done that to a, to a, to a degree. I need to, I need to do that much more. I was telling you about that cousin of mine. Well, he's married to my cousin. I guess he's, he's my cousin by marriage. I think a lot of him. Very, very uh, very right-thinking young man. And in our conversation, we started discussing this very matter, the, the weakness that's taught to our people in church. And I did send him to a, a christiania and i I need to do that more often i need to i need to i need to open the conversation with more people uh and i do have the opportunity to do that I, i i being doxed by the lexington antifa didn't make me a complete and total pariah but what it did do is it made me enough of a lightning rod that when i discuss this matter with these people they probably have an idea instinctively what angle i'm gonna come from uh I saw wow. someone recently who I hadn't seen in about three years. I uh, just, you know, just hadn't seen him in a while. He was walking down the road. I actually stopped my truck, talked to him for a couple minutes, and I said, uh, I said, uh, you, I'm sure you saw me on the internet a couple years ago, didn't you? He goes, yeah, I did. What's up with that? I said, I wish I could tell you any that's not true, but and then again, I really don't because it's all true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This fellow's as ornery as can be. He, does, he doesn't care that I'm an anti-Semitic, national socialist, white nationalist, all the things that I am. And I actually spoke to him a little bit. You know, I said, when I, when I got back up in this country 16 years ago, I thought these people were going to be a little more... Are full of fire and vinegar, he says it's there. You just got to find a way to ignite it. And he's a little bit older than me. He's a little bit older than any of us on this telephone call. He's deep into his seventies now. And you know, I, I probably ought to drive up his road and talk to him because him and I have always been friendly. And somebody like him, who's lived literally his whole life up in here where I spent thirty years away, he might he might he might be more help to me than I'm actually than I actually thought when I first when I first saw him on the side of the road. Because I think these people. These rural white working class people—I don't just mean the people who live on my on my mountain road. I think these are our natural. I think this is our natural base. We just have to find a way to bring them back to us because denominational Christianity and Schofield lives and dispensationalism and evangelicalism has spent the last what, hundred and thirty, hundred forty years taking them away from us. So that's I right. Think, I think we need to start working diligently to get them back because these are our people, and they're going to follow right. this, this they're going to follow this Zionist nonsense right to the right right till the last white man is 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 shot in the back of the head and kicked into the ditch you know so
0: well i, I really believe I well that, like I do believe that i i'm sorry I, I i really believe and and I would really like to make this point well, so go ahead bill i I really believe that it's important for league members everywhere and and it might be hard for some who are isolated but wherever they can to function as a community within a community and and we have here we're blessed with um I, I don't know that the our numbers have fluctuated somewhat in the last year but perhaps we have 9 league members who are identity Christians and two who are new, who aren't, but they're not churchgoers. So, so that's a big benefit the way I see it. So, so we have these nine identity Christian chapter yeah. members and, and, or maybe 10 and, and we meet with at least half of them every week. At least half of us are, are, are assembled every single week. And, and we have a few beers and some barbecue and spend, three, four, or five hours together. And and that is our church. That's our church. That's our weekly communion. Sure. That's what church right. is meant to be. And, and um, I, I think that the entire league should be functioning in that same manner. Wherever you are, if you're in North Alabama or, or if you're in Arkansas or Virginia, that you should meet with your chapter every week. And, and your community should evolve around that chapter. And, and that, that's how to prepare for the crisis that comes, to actually do things with these people every week. Once a month isn't enough. Once a year. I'm sure there are some members of the league that only show up at the national conference. And, and that, what are they doing? I mean, maybe they're financial oh, yeah, supporters that's and that's good. True. But, but they, we, we have to create our own communities within the, this wider world. That's what we have to do if we're going to survive. And and that falls in, Amen, into sir.
1: that Amen. and I've preached that for twenty five years.
0: Yes. It it's to be a member ain't enough and and to attend a monthly meeting ain't enough. We should be and function in a manner that we are each other's family. That's how it must work. oh uh, yes. We we should we should look at the league.
1: Yeah, you know, we should look at the league as as like an ecclesia. Uh and, and I'm sure y'all know what that term means. Uh you know, it is it is the community in which you live and work and worship. Uh as a matter of course, and a meeting at least once a week is absolutely necessary. You can't have a monthly meeting, you certainly can't get by with just attending something once a year, uh as some people do. But we need to be a community. If we're not gonna be a community, then it's all for God.
2: Yes. A, a Volksgemeinschaft, a people's community.
1: Exactly,
2: which, sir. Exactly. Which, which is the, the first step to a blood and soil nation.
0: Absolutely. It is. That's it. And, and that basically is the, the, the um, successful pattern that dissidents of the recent past have followed in order to build themselves mm-hmm. up and, and, and win the hearts and minds of their nation that's exactly what they did. And, and that's what we have to do. It, it's, it, it's not a, yeah, I, I think we have to meet at, every week and, and show the the non-involved people around us so that they're curious, so that they're curious about us. What's going on over there? All those people with the yeah, same church on, having a good time. That's right. And, and, but,
1: yeah, they find out, and then they want to be part of it.
2: Yes. Yes, but people will come to us, you know, the people who believe like we believe. And we've been very clear about what we believe. The idea that we're going to attract a bunch of folks who have some mix- mistaken impression about who we are, well, that won't happen. Uh, no. You know, as we've discussed, I think when the league evolved to a more uh, – direct action organization, I think some folks were shocked that we weren't just a book club or a social club or, or some some adjunct of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. We are actually legitimately Southern nationalists who want a free blood and soil nation for the Southern people. From this point forward, anyone who comes to us knows exactly who we are. There is no mistake about that any longer.
1: Absolutely. No, that's right. And, and you, know, told me, you know, someone told me a long time ago that people will not follow an uncertain trumpet. That you have got to say who you are up front and without any apologies, uh, without any uh, caveats. And that's what we've done, particularly over the last 10 years or so. And it has distinguished us from all the other organizations. And by the grace of Yahweh himself, we're still here. We're still here.
2: And the idea that we ever were a book club or a social club or adjunct to the SCV—that's laughable. That's fanciful. That was never the case. But I think it's fair to no, say. No, that's true. I think it's fair to say, given what happened in South Alabama, there, there, there were some folks who probably had the mistaken impression that that's what they had joined. Uh, well, they've—they're gone from among us now. And anyone who comes to us from this point forward. I can't see how they could be under any illusion of who we are, what we stand for, and what ultimately we are willing to do. You know, we carefully counsel that we stay within the law, even though the law is a complete joke at this point and completely against our people. I think it's still important that we counsel our people to stay within the law, and that's what we do. At some point, as events fly even yet further out of control, the chaos theory takes us yet further into the maelstrom, and and then the law of unintended consequences takes place. There comes a part where, where freedom fighters who, at a previous time, would have been treated as brigands, they're treated as revolutionaries, they're treated as soldiers for their people. And are able to engage in lawful activities to advance the cause of their people that might have been unthinkable at an earlier stage. And that's why anyone I speak to, I'm very clear with them, we're we're about law and order, we're about following the existing laws. There's a reason when the Virginia State Police ordered us to leave the park that we left the park rather than stand and choose to fight the Virginia State Police. Now, we all know what BLM sure. would do today, and they'd get a little pat on the head for it. But if, if we had that's fought the right. Virginia but State not Police— us. If we had fought the Virginia State Police then or now, uh, it's as Bill said, we'd be in federal prison. And if we had actually prevailed that day and, and formed an autonomous zone, I have no doubt uh, we would have met some guys in funny little green hats. We would have met some sailors who aren't really sailors at all. Um, Predator drones would have been over us, hell firing the hell out of us, and we would have been treated as absolute insurrectionists, which is what these people are in many cases out there, but this is just an example that I see as turning the lights on for our people. A lot of folks wandering around with their head in the clouds, not realizing what was happening. Well, a person would have to be willfully blind at this point to not see the direction that things are going. And that brings me back to something we said just a little while ago, this red pills are people who haven't necessarily been red pilled. And they're going to come to organizations like our organization and organizations like ours. Um, I think folks are just thirsting for some way to tribe up some way to protect themselves, some way to have a hope for a future because right now, a white man who's alone in this world is in a very precarious situation, very precarious indeed, hazardous. Yes. He's, in a lethal, he's in a potentially lethal situation.
1: That's right, and this is happening. You know, it, it, It's not something that we hope will happen or pray will happen. It's actually happening right now as these people are getting, as you say, red-pilled to the point that they realize that there's nobody coming to save them but themselves, i.e., white men fighting for white men. And that's what it's going to be. And that's what they are beginning to realize that no government out there that's extant, an extant government upon these shores, uh, right now, whether it be state, local, or federal, is really their friend. So they're going to have to see to those things themselves. And the best way to do that, they, they look around for voluntary organizations like ours, uh, to be, to be that buffer, if you will, between. Uh, their enemies and themselves as individuals.
2: That's right. I keep a normie Facebook page. Um, it's It's really... Just for the normies that I've grown up with, uh, the white people like I'm talking about, I think a great many of them, guys I played football with 40 years ago, they've got the potential to red pill and come with us. And I post some really provocative things there. I really hope it's doing something. Something I put up recently, it's just a quick paragraph. If you're white and BLM is the side you've chosen, take a minute and consider carefully. If that's really where you want to be in the coming, God or Damarung because the blacks are never going to count you as one of them. And there's an extremely high likelihood they're going to violently and lethally turn on you at some point. Also, the time is fast approaching when we're going to write you off as a traitor to our people forever and banish you from among us permanently. A racial no man's land is no place to be.
1: Very good, sir. That is a message that a normal white person would do
0: well to pay attention to. And and should embrace, Um,
2: I think it's incumbent yes, it's incumbent upon us as leaders to try to reach our people, try to bring as many aboard as possible. I, I'm, I'm Dr. Hill, I know you and I have discussed this bill. I think you and I did at one point. I know we all probably look at William Pil- William Pierce, Dr. William Pierce, and wish he was still among us. Unfortunately, he was taken from us in this worldly plane. But he has a series of they're not podcasts because those didn't exist when he was doing this. They're videos. They're probably on Bitchute now because I'm sure they're long gone from YouTube. And uh, they're each one anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes long. And he did one that I watched over and over on leadership. And one of the things he said about leadership is good leadership, good solid leadership, can bring a lot of our errant people back into the fold. Um, That young wigger who's spent maybe years of his life being confused. We have to be willing to take him back and try to turn him into a proper white man. Uh, a young white woman who's been completely radicalized by university professors and maybe defiled herself in ways that we find completely repugnant. She's got to be allowed to come back, because that wigger who ruined himself for years and that young white woman who probably defiled herself in ways that we find unspeakable, they could be paired off, and they can produce a generation of young whites who can far outstrip the things that they did with their life i spent some time on nsm radio a couple of years ago speaking with gunner and we actually identified one type of white person who can't come back and that's a woman who's actually given birth to a uh, a black a non a non-white child she can't come back we don't want her yeah actually
1: exactly if she, Agreed.
2: If she's if she's actually carried the fruit of the beast in her womb and given birth to it um no 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 you, you can't come back that's right and yeah. Uh, a fellow who we all know from Arkansas said, "Well, we have to extend that to white men who have fathered a non-white child," and I'm willing to say that too, although it's not the uh, visceral thing of a white woman basically lending her womb to the nigger.
0: Now, I really think, so, I, I really yeah, think uh, from uh, a you know, but, from from a solely Christian viewpoint, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to interfere. From a solely Christian viewpoint, I really think that depends on whether or not no. they are willing to throw their offspring under the proverbial bus. Not necessarily literally, but proverbially.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that I I mean, if they renounce you know, their, their sin, but I wouldn't I, I don't know a white man I, that would want to marry her. Now that's a different story. I, I'm willing I'm I'm willing to
2: that's a different story you know obviously someday we'll have someone in charge of the office of race and resettlement um and i'm willing to defer that decision to them at that point yes sir it was <laughs> it was really just a conversation with a good solid national pardon
0: i said yes sir i i, I was that,
2: that that was a discussion i was having with a with a very dedicated young national socialist man on his radio show and uh the, we did identify that but i i was able to get him to see dr pierce's logic and wisdom in extending good leadership to our to our lost youth and bringing them back amongst us because the truth is we're not a numerous enough people to just wholesale throw our people away because they went wrong for a period of time whether it was long or short um but that's sort of an esoteric conversation At, at this point bringing in our folks who are just uncommitted is the most important thing we can do and to be very candid I think this expression fits. That's the low hanging fruit. That's the people mm-hmm. who don't need to be convinced that standing with their people is the thing to do because they never stood against their people. They just haven't stood up for our people the
0: way we do. That's right. Oh, and I, I believe agree. They will. And and
2: a great many of them will. So, well,
0: I, I agree, and I'm sure that not all of us have a perfect past. I, I mean, we weren't all born racist, we weren't all born. Um, nationalists. We nationalists today are created.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Now, one thing I'll have to say from my perspective, and there are those among us just like me, I never had any, I never had any internal fictions about the Jew that I had to overcome. I was taught from the youngest years what they are. And I've believed that ever since. I've never questioned it. Um, You know, I, I, I was, I was taught by my grandpa, and, and by my father and they were taught by their fathers before them that these are the these are the devil's people they're not us never trust them they're 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 thieves and swindlers i was taught that from the youngest years maybe that's not literally true in every case but i have to tell you truly the belief that was instilled in me as a very very young boy has served me very well for 60 years on this earth and uh, i'll never see him any other way but i have great respect for people who overcome what they've been taught, what they've been misled about, whether by church or family or churchmen, and they overcome it and they see the serpent for what it is. And I'm more than happy to help anyone take the blinders off their eyes about the Jew. I'm just thankful I never had any blinders on.
1: Yeah, I had the same situation because of my father and grandfathers and I never had to overcome that either. I knew by age 12, Mm-hmm. what what all this was about never had to overcome that, that was a great blessing
2: mm-hmm. it really is i remember i remember as a young boy vaguely because i was very young but i remember as a young boy when uh when it was taught to me uh what the jews believe about jesus christ and what their talmud oh, yeah. says about jesus christ i was taught that as a young boy so wow. these weren't just uneducated unsoph- unsophisticated arguments fed to me over a kitchen table these were biblically supported facts given to a very, very young mind, a, a, a very fertile young mind. I was blessed with a pretty decent intellect by Yahweh, and I took it to heart. But like I said, I'm more than happy to help anyone else come to that understanding. And I, I mean, it feels good to red pill somebody. I'm sure all three of us have done it any number of times. It feels very good to help sure. somebody drop their blinders about that group of of coin clippers and well poisoners and, 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 and child stealers and everything else about of Christ killers. So, but, but our people out there, even the, I stand with Israel yard signs, even the Confederate flag with the, with the Jew flag. We, as leaders, we have to look at them as salvageable until they absolutely prove to us that they're not. And there will be some who are not, um, fact, you know, um, and some of our some of our young people, I don't know how we ever reel them back in. They're so invested in the in the BLM nonsense. They're so invested in, in the in the multiple genders nonsense, the pronoun nonsense. Um, you know, I recently got a Twitter page opened up again. It's got to be the twelfth one, and uh, something that's become very prominent in the year or so since I last had one. Is you go to uh, someone's profile page, and if they mention what pronouns they prefer to be addressed by, which to me is just ludicrous, that tells me right there, block that person. Just block them immediately. If they need to tell you the what pronouns <laughs> yeah. they use, you know, I'm Z, Zer, Zid. What? What? You know. <laughs> so that in early life in Wikipedia, you go to Wikipedia, look up early life, and that'll tell you he was born to a Jewish family in Lowered. Oh, great. Yeah, get rid of him too.
1: Yep. But, That's but, right. Uh,
2: you know, some of our people are so invested in this countercultural nonsense that while I would be receptive to the idea of trying to bring them back, I know with some of them, probably with a great number of them, we're not going to be successful. And they'll have to be written off, unfortunately. But I won't do that out of hand. I would certainly be willing to try. And as I said, at some future point, our Office of Race and Resettlement can answer those, can, can come up with the answers to those questions. And I won't I won't concern myself with it any further. But until we have that what was his name? Dare? Was that was that the uh, was that the commandant of the Office of Race and Resettlement, sir? Dare? Walter Dare? Am I remembering that correctly? D A R E. I think. Yeah, I, I
1: think you're that. right.
2: Until we have our Walter Dare running the uh, RSHA, um, I'm willing to say we'll try with anyone.
1: Well, I, we, I think we pretty much have to do that because look, I, I think even if our arguments uh, in and of themselves don't convince them i think reality is going to the truth has a way of asserting itself and their whole worldview is based on a tissue of lies and those lies can't stand uh and something is going to 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 show them to open their eyes to the reality and i just hope that it's not something that it proves fatal to them uh because i think they are uh I think I think we we have to try and rehabilitate them, Uh, because, as you said, you know, whites are about eight percent of the entire world's population. We just can't throw our people away without trying to rehabilitate them.
2: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, a a man that we all know of. I had the pleasure of being acquainted with him many, many years ago in California. Tom Metzger, Um, his expression is uh, uh, the future of a race lives in the wombs of its women. So these young women yeah, who, are, right. who are who, who are of they're fertile they're of childbearing years but they're completely lost. We we owe it to ourselves as a people to try to bring them back. And I, yeah, I we some, some we just won't be able to it won't have because we can't drag them back amongst us kicking and screaming. We 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 need we need ultimately people who want to be among their own folk. Um, but that's uh, right. Yeah. So what we're doing right now, the way I see it, sir, is this. We're doing our best to put ourselves out there so our people can see us, so they can find us, making it easy to do that, counseling them properly. That, 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 that short message I gave a little bit ago about stay your hand, I think that's very important right now. I think Zog wants so desperately, so incredibly desperately, to have a white boogeyman or boogeymen to hold up. I, I think that they would love for 200 white men to arm up properly as we would do rather than with with faulty weapons the way the niggers did <laughs> in Stone Mountain. I I think they'd love right. to be able to hold that up. Look, look, this is what they're doing. They're anti Semitic. They're white nationalists. They're Nazis. They want to kill six million Jews. You know, because all yep. those things will happen. And if we don't counsel our people properly, we're we're falling down as leaders. Possibly for our own satisfaction because I have to tell you, I would love to close with these people. I know we all would. I, I see these terrible things happening out there, not just to our statues, but to our people. There's some of the most brutal activities going on out there right now. There's there's videos of just brutal beatings and the only thing I can think of is, is Yahweh, God almighty, please place me at the scene of one of those sometime. Please let me be there. Let me let me change the course of this event. And I know there's mm-hmm. untold untold numbers of us who feel the same way but we've got to be clever white men we've got to be intelligent we can't play into the hands of our enemy and i hate to say it but that's exactly what we would be doing right now you know yeah and, we, um,
1: we would and i and i understand the frustration that goes along with this because i feel it just like you do i but you know i have counseled people to be patient and i've also told them that look this is, this is exactly what they want. They want to bait us out into public to do something like this. And I've told our, uh, as many of our people, particularly young men, as I could, be patient and remember that there are two ways to fight a battle. One is out in the open, and two is from the shadows. And under the circumstances right now, we need to start learning how to fight from the shadows.
2: That's correct. You know, that's correct. Um, You know, things that are never talked about, things that are never disclosed, things that are never, ever trusted to any electronic media, things, things leaderless resistance. That's a, that's a principle in fourth generation warfare, you know? So this is, this is the path that I see things could easily take in the future. But as of right now, anything openly blatantly, well, the best example I can use because I know we were all sick at heart over those blacks in black with their joke weapons. We all saw the big, the big Sergeant Harambe. We saw him out there with his S and W MP <laughs> MP22. That's a 22 long rifle, you know. And he had, I think it was, I I, I ran across a post somewhere where the guy actually recognized that that nonsensical drum magazine i think it's called a black rock drum magazine or something holds 100 rounds of 22 long rifle drum magazines are notorious for for, for jamming and that guy had an active yes, jam in his weapon the the, the the little bitty bolt carrier because it's not an m4 is locked back on either a either a failure to freed or a failure to eject i have no idea which it was but he couldn't he couldn't use that weapon and what i said to somebody is i said no. oh. i said i can i can promise you my, M, my m4 works and uh Uh, The only drum magazine, the only drum magazine that's worthwhile is that uh, that Magpul P60, which is about a hundred and fifty dollar magazine. I waited until I got a steal on it, paid half for that. But even still, I've I've only got the one because they're so pricey. And and, but it works. That's the thing. You and I touched on this a few weeks ago on that other program that we do, sir. You know, when push comes to shove, our our weapons work. We understand how to keep them maintained. The AR-15 is a notorious weapon for being touchy it's a direct impingement gas weapon every single time it fires some of the gas going down the barrel goes up the gas port goes back to gas tube but it just belches gas back into the bolt carrier that weapon has to be clean and kept clean it's it's not like our m14s that drives a piston um you still need to clean that piston occasionally but it's not that 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 gas and that carbon is is going nowhere near your bolt the ar-15 that whole platform requires some tender loving care uh, needs to be kept properly maintained, properly cleaned. What did uh, what did Grandmaster Jam? What are their commander of the not uh, what the the uh, the N N F A C? Uh, he says we're 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 all we're all veterans and we're trained and we know how to handle these weapons professionally. Okay, that 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 fellow with the 22 knockoff, he looks like he knows his way around a bucket of KFC. That's about it.
0: You know, well, well that's right, right.
1: That's about it. But no, they they won't they won't maintain these weapons, and they'll become useless, and that's fine. That's exactly what I want them to do.
0: Exactly, so. exactly. I'm sorry, I have a little lag, and and that's why I can't respond. But that's exactly true. I I was calling them the monkey militia, but which is pretty much an obvious nickname. <laughs> the the monkey militia well, is you know, not going their to name. S- I'm sorry. They're not I going mean, to stay re- in the field long. They're not going to stay organized long. They never do. They can't. No. They don't have the c- capability.
2: No. Now, I don't remember from the past, so I'm going to ask you for a little guidance here, Bill. Their their name is actually a, a great piece of ebonics, but it contains a little profanity. Is that out of bounds for uh, uh Christogenia?
0: Nothing's out of bounds at Christogenia, sir. I'm sorry. Okay,
2: okay. I just wanted to make sure before I drop you a big a big fuck bomb here. They're called I... the uh, they're called the Not Fucking Around Coalition. Yes. Now, if that's not pure niggerdom, I don't know what is. Okay,
0: and the yes. commander
2: is called is called Grandmaster J or something like that. Okay, um, kind of like
1: a rap artist.
2: You know exactly. You know so, I mean I personally like the term Kiancenay, Doctor Hill, but um, you know. Um,
0: <laughs> but well, I'm sorry. But, uh, I really yeah, thought not... uh, I really thought that NFAC stood for not forgetting about chicken. <laughs> it very well could you know if
2: there's a ch- if they march past the church a uh, church is chicken they're going to have all kinds of people fall out of that formation um i, I did yeah that's a discipline I, I, problem i eyeballed them um from what my perspective might have been 30 and 35 years ago and uh the weapons carriage was tentative with a lot of them I got the impression that some of them have probably never handled a weapon like what was handed to them that day. I caught a little uh, a little snippet of audio where Grandmaster Jay said, uh, if you've never handled a weapon like this before, or if you've never fired a weapon like this before, don't do it for the first time today. Let somebody else look out for you. And I thought, that's pretty telling right there, you know. <laughs> where were these weapons distributed, yeah. and who were they distributed by, you know? That's but, right. But let us not kid ourselves. Uh, a group of two or 300 individuals who are armed, whether they're professional or not, whether their weapons all function or not, whether they've got good marksmanship or not, they have the potential to be a real problem. And
1: Yes, they do. They can be dangerous.
2: I noticed a couple other little tidbits. I noticed uh, um, some flat-top, I call it an M4 because, you know, my, uh, my poodle shooter is an actual cult M4, but the AR-15, we all know what I'm talking An M4 can be confusing to anybody who didn't actually serve in the military. It's an AR-15. I noticed flat tops where they've got the uh, the picatinny rails all the way from the back by the uh, uh, charging handle all the way to the gas block in the front. There was nothing on it. No front sight, no rear sight. Right. And that reminded right. me of something. Um, Dr. Hill, you and I may have exchanged this story. I don't think I heard it from you, but I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard it. In the Rhodesian Wars, They kept capturing weapons that these uh, that these terrorists and these uh, guerrillas were carrying, with the sights on on the uh, with the rear sight leaf dialed to all the way maximum range. And there's numbers there, and you know it's a ladder sight. You can you can actually stand it up for a grenade launcher on an AK. But they kept capturing these weapons with the sights dialed to maximum range. And at, at any kind of distance, that's almost indirect fire. That's almost plunging fire. And they, they, they used to interrogate these guys when they'd capture them alive. <laughs> You're gonna love this. So they asked him, you know, in their in their little clicky clicky sing song, you know, jungle vernacular, and he said, uh, uh, the higher that number, the harder the harder the rifle shoots. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually reminded me of something that happened many years ago. Uh, uh, I was present when a class was being taught to some Kuwaiti uh, self-defense force troops. And uh, two of these, it was on the 50 Cal, the Modus. And uh, two of these sand niggers are sitting there leaning back to back against each other and they're sleeping. So I got their interpreter to go wake them up and ask him why, why they weren't paying attention to the class. And he says, no need for the class. Allah will guide the bullets. So, mm-hmm. you know a, a well, I, 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 I,
1: That's right, I can't verify uh, That that story about the, the, the rear sides But I can tell you this I saw the stupidity that would allow something like that to happen I can't <laughs> verify it, I never saw it myself But I could say this <laughs> I saw the people that supposedly did that And I would not put it past them So, absolutely
2: well, we've all seen the video of the, uh, the of the black sub-Saharan African troops actually giving a loaded AK to a chimp. Um,
1: they seem like, <laughs> yes, we have.
2: They seem like they're in bivouac somewhere. And I I mean, a chimp's a relatively intelligent simian, probably at least as intelligent as some of these upright hominids uh, in uniform with their nappy hair. And they handed a loaded AK to the chimp. And the chimp, I, I, I don't... Figured it out. I don't know if he figured it out, but he got his hand around that rear, p- rear pistol grip, his paw, whatever it's called, and he got his finger into the trigger guard, and he let some rounds go on full auto. And you, you, <laughs> it's really hilarious because these, these Negro troops, they they think this is all fun and games. Now he's letting 7.62 rounds go on full auto. It's not so funny anymore. But listen, it's, it's, it's right of us to make light because across the board, they're clowns. But we shouldn't – underestimating one's enemy can be an often fatal error. And in future times, if we ever meet someone like that on anything resembling a level playing field where all the way to the occupation government of this country is not going to fall on us for engaging, we, we, we need to not underestimate them. We need to treat them in our planning, in our, in, our, in our movements, as though they are effective because we have to treat our people as what they are, which is irreplaceable resources.
0: That's well, I, well, right. You, know, you should My never underestimate your enemy. When Winley.
1: I was when I was a young man, he said, "Son, never underestimate your enemy, and always make him underestimate you."
2: Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, because not that troops are a commodity. You know, we all know the moral imperative of command by Colonel Colonel McCoy. That's right. You know, the the job of a commander is earn is to earn the love and the affection of his troops, and to return it in in, in kind, so that when the when when accomplishing the mission is at stake these men will respond out of love and affection for each other and they'll, they'll accomplish the mission even though it may be at the cost of their own lives. And, right. um, you know, I believe it might've been Robert E. Lee who said this, that the, the sad job of a commander is to destroy the thing he loves the most and that's his own army. Yep. So that's right. You know, we've got to treat our people like the irreplaceable resources that they are and, uh, not take lightly these clowns out there, just completely niggering the whole place up, you know, uh, right. I didn't like seeing yeah. that. I, I have true. to tell you that episode bothered me probably more than any single thing that I've seen since, I guess it was right around the end of May when all this started to happen. Those, 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 that bothered me on a fundamental level. There've been other isolated things that, that, that white woman who was grabbed the first night of the Minneapolis riots, gang raped and killed that hurt me to my core. Uh, yeah, other things have bothered me, but uh, yeah, this, the sight of the sight of all those, the sight of all those uh, Africans on the streets of, uh, of a southern town—that that really bothered me. But Self-control yes. is one of our hallmarks, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the advice that I so freely give to our people, and I'll bide my time, I'll follow the law to the letter. I won't advise anyone to do anything but follow the law to the letter, and we'll just see where this takes us in hopes that someday we can, we can reckon with those who we most want to reckon with.
1: Yahweh willing,
2: that's what we shall do.
0: I spent quite a considerable part, portion of my life living among Yankee liberals, And and they are so naive and they are so self-righteous that what happened in Minneapolis, it it was hard to bother me. It's sad that any white person has to die like that or go through that, but these people are totally detached from any sense of racial reality whatsoever. And they deny the trends that go right on in front of their faces. I mean, I've watched the destruction of northern cities, and and they would just deny the causes of it, and and try to find any other phenomenon to attribute it to, than the typical destructiveness of, of the American nigger. So they needed those. They, they well, needed, we Southerners
1: could have told them something about that.
0: Yes, older Southerners should certainly can. I, I mean, Southerners that saw the 1950s and 60s had had a had a much greater dose of it than i had in in the cities in in the north but but they won't listen they're self-righteous and naive well, I, at the I, same I'd
2: time i'd like to be clear watching what, watching minneapolis burn watching that 30 million dollar low-income housing uh, building burn just months before completion Watching the various businesses looted, I just thought this is what you all have been asking for for forever. But you know, I've done my best to look into who that woman might have been because I need to be honest. That bothered me, brothers. And, uh, oh, I, not I much agree. Out there yeah, that it bothered me too. I agree. It's, and it's it's gone down the me- it's it's gone right down the memory hole since then. But there was some information out there in the following day or two, and what it seems like, and I don't even really know how to chase this down any further than this it seems like she might have been a nurse who got off a late shift at the hospital and just all of a sudden found herself in just a racial hell. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got to be candid too, even if it was some stupid liberal white woman as a, for instance, that Molly Tibbetts who was killed by that Mexican in Iowa, she counter-signaled white men like me, you know, endlessly throughout her life and promoted the cause of, of, of black and Brown men. But I often wonder, in that last moment of her life, after she'd been, she had been raped in a cornfield and she was being strangled, if somehow she prayed to whatever God she prayed to for a white man like me to show up and save her, because you know damn well we would have, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know? But, so, well, three years ago, yeah, she, was a, she
1: was too stupid to know.
2: Yeah, and if she was a nurse, if that white woman in Minneapolis was a nurse, sure, there are liberal nurses, but come on. Who among three, us doesn't love nurses, you know?
0: Three years ago, yeah, when but, I first met know. Dr. Hill in New Orleans, he was already saying that they weren't going to stop at the Confederate statues, that it's not really about the Confederacy or, or the monuments, that they were going to keep going and keep going until they even came after our bodies, and, and Michael Hill was saying that three years ago. And, and it's to his credit. I mean, a lot of us in, in um, Christian identity saw it, but he was actually um, sticking his, his neck out there to actually say it and persistently. And, and it's only been three years and they're tearing down Lincoln and Columbus and even Albert Pike, which was the one statue I was happy came down. The the one monument I was happy that came down, <laughs> but that, there's no end to it. If it's white, yeah. it's coming down. They want to tear down white Jesus.
2: Yep, yep. We are we are in the racial God or It's happening. Um, where it'll go, uh, anybody's guess. You know, Brad and I were discussing just you know on social media about the end game, and the end game is out there. It's just over the horizon. I think we all have some notions whether vague or specific of what it's going to be but none of us really know um it's just over the horizon and we may proceed on a parallel course for a little while or it may converge slowly or the end game and us may both pivot 90 degrees and just start storming towards each other i mean this this in an election year this this could come to a crescendo between now and january 1st 2021 it truly could and those of us who have been accelerationists for the last several years and more for various reasons, we're getting our wish now. Um, it was, probably, it was yeah. probably no more than four or five years ago when I truly wondered if all of this would actually happen in my lifetime even. Because it's fair to say, even to this point, the system still has a great deal of inherent stability in the system. Uh, there, it's Obviously, some of that's decayed. But I think it's fair to say that... Uh, Accelerationism has really, really become the rule of the day, and uh, whether it actually happens in the next six months or not, I certainly think over the next year, two years, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to raise something from the ashes, and I'll do my duty, and if my duty costs me my life along the way, uh, well, I've had a good life, and I hope I have a good death when that day comes. But, Yahweh willing, I'd like to be around to help rebuild something from the ashes, something better than what we ever had before, something even better than what this republic was when the Articles of Confederation were the founding document. We have the ability to do it. We know all the things that didn't work. We know multiculturalism was a complete sham and a complete self-destructive policy. Um, We know foreign foreign entanglements with Israel at the center of it all. We know that's a tremendously corrosive policy. Uh, I I personally favor a blood and soil nation uh, governed by something like national socialism or actually national socialism specifically, although I realize for a lot of our people we're going to have to rebrand that. But a former government that places the welfare and the well-being, welfare not meaning welfare payments, um, of, of the people above everything else, above business, above banks, above everything and that's what national socialism was. It was a form of government that placed the needs of the people above everything else, economically and otherwise. Um, and to my way of thinking, it's even, it's even superior to fascism, because in fascism, the people serve the state. National socialism, the state serves the people. It will only work in a blood and soil nation, however. It will not work in a multicultural, yeah. glo- globo, homo, polyglot like we have today. Uh,
1: I'm yeah, saying. we, we, we need, uh, we need a blood and soil nation in the sense, true sense of a nation, meaning a people. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, let me, let me, uh, extrapolate here a little bit on something you just said. Uh, six months is, is an eternity in, in the midst of a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, once revolutions begin, they tend to, uh, travel their course pretty quickly, uh, and that, that, that's why you don't have a lot of time to, you know, just sit there and, and wonder what's going to happen because it's already taken place uh, all around you. So I think in six months, this thing may come to a resolution one way or the other. And, um, and then I think there's an opportunity there for us uh, to, to, to rebuild something. I don't know what the parameters of that rebuilding will be, whether it will be nationwide or whether it will be some sort of regional ethno state. Or whatever, but you're absolutely right. If it's not based on blood and soil, it's not going to last.
0: Right. Well, I believe Trump has actually lost a lot of his base, but if he wins again, I I think the leftists are really going to go wild. That what we see right now is nothing compared to what will happen if Trump wins again. That's my
1: opinion. Well, I think you're right, Bill. I think win win or lose, I think win or lose, they're going to do that.
0: Well, they they might chimp out again if if they get in if if a Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee really is gets in power because then they'll feel truly empowered. Then they will feel truly empowered. They'll feel like uh, they've won a yeah. revolution.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yes, that I have to agree with.
1: Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. They they will they they will feel empowered to the point that I think they will come out into areas that they haven't come out in before in hopes that they can uh, uh, start some things that will get a lot of white people arrested for defending themselves. And in that, in that political environment, in that legal environment, that probably is what's going to happen. So that'll be the point that white people have to make a decision. Uh, Am I going to abide by a, a set of laws that are unjust and immoral in that in which I don't have a chance for true justice or do I become an outlaw? And that's a lot of that's a big decision for a lot of people who probably have never thought about having to make such a decision. It's a big decision for them to have to make. But that's why we need to start getting our people psychologically ready for what could happen, depending on the outcome of this election. I am under no I'm under no uh, illusions that Trump is one of us. Uh, but he is seen that way by the opposition Yes. and win or lose. I think they are going to come out into the streets with violence on their minds, uh, after that first Tuesday in November, no matter what the results of the election.
2: I agree with that. I do. I, uh, I, I, I feel for our people in and near these Southern cities. And when I say our people, I mean, our people, I don't just mean people with our melatonin, uh, because there, there, there will be casualties. We'll see some of our people lost to this, yeah, to this, we will. this orgy of leftist Judeo-Bolshevik violence that I feel like is sure to happen, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I feel like that's almost a given that regardless of the outcome of the election, that the the left, uh, and their, their street thug troops, Antibia, BLM, whatever you want to call them, uh, they, they're going to be out there and, and they're, they're not going to care, uh, and if Biden wins, they'll have the cover of law. If Trump wins, they'll have the cover of their portion of the government that they still control, which unfortunately looks like the DOJ is part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's you know it, it, there's almost no predicting how this thing may turn it, with you know except to say that it's going to get very very violent uh, at that time leading forward.
2: But well, it
0: there is, there is getting violent. With, uh... I'm sorry. Remain it is proficient
2: getting proficient with your weapon. Always have your weapon with you. Always have a round in the chamber. Always have a spare magazine in your left front pocket, unless you're right-handed. That's is, right. Uh,
0: unless you're left-handed. Um, <laughs> yeah. It It is getting I, violent I to that Jeff degree Cooper's, in some places. Chuck uh, Cooper's. I'm, I'm sorry. That the, the governor of Georgia called the National Guard into um, into Atlanta last night. Yesterday. That's really?
2: right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Not up on that. Well, you know, well, the three of us I know live in relatively rural areas um, of one of one of one form or another. I'm I'm 15 miles up a mountain road from the main U.S. highway and probably a solid hour from the interstate. Uh, I I speak to my cousins who live down in town because a lot of these folks wanted to get off this mountain when they could and, and, and just go try to make a living down in town at various factories and things like that. And I tell them, you know, here's the thing. You're not up in Jackson County anymore. You're not off the Kirby Knob Road anymore. You are down in Buria. You are five minutes from the Interstate. And the Interstate's gonna be a corridor for all the nonsense that goes on. That's it will, right. You know? So small town America oh, yeah. where, interstate, where interstates either run through them or close by them, that's no that's no sanctuary. That's uh that's that's when when the time comes, that's keep somebody up and armed all night long to hear anything that might go on, you know. Now, That's right. Up here where I live, there's an awful lot of people like me between here and the main highway for them to get through it. Everybody's got a telephone, you know. So I've got a decent likelihood of knowing well before I have company. And when push comes to shove, they'll learn why I cleared the woods from hundreds of feet around my house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know,
2: but uh, but in any event, yeah. They're, I, I, they're- I you know, our, our people are in. Our people who are not awake are in for a rude awakening. Uh, for some, it's going to be more rude than others, and for some, it's not really going to be a way, an awakening. It's just going to be a violent end, and they're going to serve as an example to all the rest of us. Uh,
1: That's right, unfortunately.
2: But uh, you know, to kind of to kind of to kind of leave you know sort of sort of leave this thing off. Uh, we live in interesting times. We live in times that some of us probably all three of us on this, tell, on this podcast, saw coming for quite some time. It is now here. And uh, it's That's just right. time to make sure that there are supplies on hand, a water supply, a supply of food, uh, whatever basic medical, medical supplies and first aid supplies that, uh, that we might need. Obviously, weapons and ammunition are essential. So it's just time to live as the times demand. And I really hope go, all of our people do that. You know, the the time for wandering around with one's head in the clouds with no situational awareness is long gone. You know, I just recently explained that whole color code to someone, condition white, condition yellow, condition red, uh, condition orange, condition red, condition black. And I had to explain what they all mean. And, and she asked me what condition I thought she was in. And I said, you're somewhere between a, a yellow and an orange. You are aware, but you don't really have a tactical awareness to yourself. And you're probably going to want to develop that, you know. And she said, what condition do you think you're in? I said, when I leave my house, I'm in condition red. There's a round in the chamber. Mm -hmm. Safety's off on my pistol. Um, Fortunately, I haven't had to go to condition black yet because in condition black, uh, I've I've got my weapon out and somebody's in the gun sights for what I hope is a justifiable reason. Mm -hmm. So we all need to live like that. It's sort of a sad commentary on where we're at. But then again, these are the times that men like us thrive on, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, certain men were, were created for the chaos, and I've got to think that God created us for that reason, because he's put us here.
2: I believe that, too. I do. Uh, uh, as, as a good, big, tall friend of ours recently said, all the events of the last few weeks have vindicated my every thought, word, and deed for the last 30 years.
1: That's right. <laughs> I know who you're talking about i know you do so does bill (laughs) i know he does
0: (laughs) Uh, well it's absolutely true i I mean i I witnessed chimp outs in jersey city and newark in 1967 and 68 so i know what they could be like that that's my life's awakening when i was six and seven years old and and I, I've yeah. had those feelings ever since. And, and Christian identity, it, it basically, um, my studies in Christianity are not formed because of my experience, but because of my study. And and they verified my experience. They verified everything that I came to, to believe from my experience. And I don't understand how a... Um, A white man could see these things and and not react the same way that we each have reacted.
1: The only way I know how to explain that is Yahweh gives some people eyes to see and ears to hear, and he withholds that from others. That's the
0: only thing I can think of that would explain it. That's the only thing that can, sir. That's exactly correct. It's frustrating when we can't hit somebody's switch.
1: Thank him for giving him to us. Yes, sir. Absolutely
0: frustrating. I think Ike had a um, dog problem, perhaps. Yeah, maybe so. I believe so. Well, well, it it has come to fruition, your claims from three years ago, that they weren't going to stop at the Confederate monuments. I I mean, it's (laughs) come come around a lot faster than I think um, any of us could have thought it would. Three short years.
1: Well, it, it, it did come on yeah, it did come on faster than I thought it would. I, I could see it coming though, because I knew the anti white sentiment behind all of this wouldn't just stop with the Confederacy. But yeah, I mean it's it's here now and there's no denying it. And there's no denying that we're in the midst of this revolution that so many of us have seen coming for so long and we just can't uh we just can't allow our people to bury their heads in the sand and just play like it's gonna go away without any adverse effects on on them personally and our society in general
2: brothers i'm sorry about that i have two big pyrenees and uh they don't usually just go off for nothing so i had to look and see if there was anybody here i apologize for that
1: yeah i saw it i heard them good watch dogs yes sir
2: (laughs) they're fantastic dogs i brought yes they are I brought them home when they were just between two and three pounds a piece. Uh, they had to get off mama at about six weeks (laughs) old. So I, I I mean, I hand fed those babies, you know, I've got a male and a female from the same litter and, uh, they're mature eight year old dogs. Now they go well over a hundred pounds a piece and, uh, they are some territorial animals.
1: No, you better believe it. I love those things.
2: Um, but in any event, I, ho- I, I actually hoped that wouldn't happen while we were doing this, but then it did, so I apologize.
1: Um, <laughs> I heard him in the
2: background. But I did carry my handset around with me so I could kind of monitor. Um, I agree with what both you fellas said. You know, this is something that uh, some of us have talked about in detail. Dr. Hill, you're one. Uh, others have had a, maybe a less specific idea of what would be coming. I'd put myself in that camp. Um, like I said, just a few years ago, I wondered if I'd even live to see it because the inherent stability in the system really seemed to have a lid on everything. But now, I believe the lid's been deliberately taken off, um, and we're getting some of the some of the backlash now. <clears throat> and I've yeah. likened this to a boil, boiler. Um, our people right now are like a, a safety valve on a boiler that's been tied down, and that can't continue indefinitely. We can counsel our people till we're blue in the face to stay their hand, and I hope they listen. Uh, and pay attention to that for however long that turns out to be necessary. But every day, I expect to read something about a about a white man or a group of white men that just had enough. And
1: uh, yeah, some, me, me too. I I really do.
2: You know, and you know, I I mean, it's 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 almost inevitable. Frankly, in some ways, I can't believe it hasn't already happened. But uh, then again, yeah. we are the we are the race that put men on the moon and actually reached for the stars before we became concerned with, uh, supporting Africans. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a, maybe there's a collective wisdom. That's just keeping it from happening. And, uh, uh, at some point though, at some point, uh, maybe it'll be that orgy of violence. that takes place around the election that, that leftist Judeo Marxist violence that I believe is just going to, it's just going to be the rule of the day. Uh, and of course, the mainstream media, the Lugin pressa, uh they'll they'll be out there talking about all the peaceful protests. You know. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be right in the middle of it, the way it looks. You know, and in that first or second night, that uh, that CNN reporter out there, uh, they're throwing bottles at him, and while well, he talks about what a peaceful protest it actually is, that bottle was thrown <laughs> in, in a friendly <laughs> way.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right, a friendly way. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, well, you know, it's going to get interesting, uh, even more so than right now. And uh, as I said, we'll probably be right in the middle of it at ground zero. And uh, you know, if that's where God wants to put us, uh, you know, Yahweh be blessed for that decision. And uh, just let us have the wisdom and courage you know, to do our duty the proper way and to make him, make him proud of, uh, of us as his soldiers.
0: I agree with that. That's all that that's all we can pray for is to do his will because it's not going to be our will. If it were our will, we'd have won already, right? I I mean it's not. It's our people have to learn a valuable lesson. That's right. That they have to learn that sure. only God could be their king and that they have to abide by his word. And and his word is not this worldly that's word it. of multiculturalism, diversity. And and melting together into a a single drab color of mud. I I mean, Egypt is not the future. That's right. No, it's not. Or Mexico, for that matter, is not the future. If it is, we'd all be doomed and we'd have to conclude that there is no God. But there is. There is a God and he will not be mocked. That's it. Well, I've i really appreciated um your being here, both of you, and I'm sorry about the little technical glitches that we've had. I, I have two little dachshunds next to me, and I'm surprised that they haven't started barking. But after two hours and ten minutes, perhaps. <laughs> so yeah. they're not big Pyrenees, but they, they could be just as excitable.
2: All you need is some. Yep. All you need is a dog that'll wake you up. That's all you need.
0: Well, I have that's the Weimaraner that's all you outside. Need. The Weimaraner is a good big dog. He could never be a house dog, though. Not I wouldn't have a house. No. Thank you for being here. And, <laughs> and it's been a blessing. I, I pray that more people will hear this and, and decide to join a League of the South, because that's where all Southern white Southern men should be. And, and that, that's just the way that we should come together. I sincerely believe that.
1: Well, that, that's right, Bill. That's right. I truly believe that, too. And I uh, appreciate you having us on. And uh, it's always good to be on with my brother, Ike Faker. So.
2: I've enjoyed this tremendously. Uh, Bill, thank you for having me on Krista uh, Genia today. Uh, Dr. Hill, it's always a pleasure being on media with you, sir. We have more coming up. Um, and uh, I've enjoyed this thoroughly, tremendously. Thank you again. I'll be glad to come back to Krista any anytime, Bill.
0: Well, thank you. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and it's been a blessing to have you all here. Good night. Thank you, sir. Goodbye.